keep drinking. <laughs> you got to keep drinking. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. We understand why it says in his presence <laughs> there is fullness <laughs> of joy. <laughs> in his presence there is fullness of joy. Well, the Lord is, I, I, I had a message all prepared. I get up this morning <laughs> and everything changes, but I'll do my best. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, I'm reading in Philippines chapter 3 and um, from verse 10. And this is in the Amplified. For my determined purposes that I might know Christ. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person. Aren't those wonderful words? The wonders of his person. More strongly and more clearly. And that I may in some way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which he exerts over believers. Can we believe that? That I may share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to, to his death in the hope. And this is the verse I want you to think about. Because there's something so powerful what Paul is saying here in this verse. This is verse 11 in the Amplified, that if possible, I may attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from the, among the dead even while I'm in this body. Amen. Can you get this? This is tremendous. If you need something from God, you get it in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Amen. And this is so powerful. I was listening to, I didn't get to many of the meetings recently, and I think I was listening to Leslie, I think. She was speaking and she was reading from Romans chapter 6. And you know what Paul is trying to get through to us as believers, who we are. And what we are is getting through to our understanding so that the enemy doesn't blot out the identity of who you are in Christ. And this is it. This is the battle you're in. And as Cynthia said last night, you know, the enemy will come with all sorts of thoughts. But as I said to you, there's a pathway each day. Be thankful. Every one of us has got miseries. But be thankful for your mercies. 
and believe that every morning his loving kindness is there waiting for you if you'll be thankful. And if you'll be thankful, you'll start to praise God, won't you? And if you can start to praise God, you'll start to worship God. And then God has got a possibility of coming through in his glory in your life. You see, it's the glorious power of the Father that raised Christ from the dead. And what Paul is saying is that if possible, in other words, it's possible, but it's, it's only if you're willing to go for it. If you're willing to attain to this spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. You see, there's such a thing as dead religion. It doesn't got spiritual life. You see, Adam, in the beginning, he had what's known as, by the old preachers, as a covenant of works. Hang on a minute, it's falling apart here. Uh, a covenant of works. He had a covenant of works. He had to work it. But we've got a covenant of grace. It's all been done. You understand? He failed in his works to do what God had called him. And you know, the temptation is just the same for you and is it for me. You know, two years ago I made a decision and didn't consult God properly and I'm suffering from eating of the tree of knowledge and good and evil. There was a lot of good about it, but unfortunately the world's knowledge has got some bad about it. You understand what I'm saying? We need to hear from God in everything. You take everything to God in prayer because you're a child of God and he is your father. And Jesus is your great high priest and the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you and help you through what we've got to go through. Because we've all got stuff. We've all got this stuff to go through. And then, this is, I was sitting down reading this, I, I, well, and he says then after verse 12, not I've attained this ideal or already made perfect. In other words, we are, we are the fullness we are part of his form, but there's got to be a development. Your child is a beautiful child when he's little, but he's not grown, is he? He's got ears and noses and he can smell and he can do everything, but he's got to grow, isn't he? And that's the same with us as spiritual people in God. We have to grow up, he says, that I press, he says, to lay hold of and grasp and make my own for that which Christ Jesus the Messiah has laid hold of me and made me his own. He said, I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it mine own yet, but one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting those things that lay behind and straining forward to lie ahead, I press toward, toward the goal to win. He says the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. Now the question that the Holy Spirit said to me, do you think there are things before you to attain to? You're sitting here this morning, do you think you've arrived yet? God has got a lot more for you. He's got a lot more for me. You can't exhaust God. It's immeasurable. You, you see, this is the point. And, uh, and uh, I said, and, uh, but what are the things before you? 
What are these things? What is Paul saying to us? What are these things that are for you? I think in the authorised, which I'm more familiar with, let me read the authorised, wait a minute. The Philippines, I wanted to read that verse in uh, Philippines because it is it's clearer in the Philippines epistle it is in the Amplified than it is in there. But this is what he says. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend, but one thing I do, forget this, I, reach, I press toward the mark for the prize of what? The high calling. The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There is a high calling for you, but you've got to forget about yourself and think about Jesus. This is the test you're in, and I'm in. You see, if you're not willing to change, you'll never move forward. This is the problem. You know, it's that little book that uh, Tony gave to me by Austin Sparks, that David Wilson got uh, reprinted. He said that the most dangerous place for a Christian is when he stops moving and growing and developing. And he becomes stagnant. Because when you become stagnant, as I said, you become a little stinker. You know, you you become grotchety. You become uh, disagreeable. You know, I'm praying for a minister at the moment, and he's going through a real trial at the moment, this minister of this church, because he's got all these disgruntled babies in his church. He can't please nothing of them. He can give them rattles and bottles and Lego. He can give them all sorts, but he can't keep them happy. Why? Because they need to be filled with the Spirit. (laughs) You know, if you're in a church with liberal theology and cessationism, if you've never heard of these terms, (laughs) it's a problem, isn't it? It's a real problem. You know, they send these ministers out of these colleges, say Bangor up the road, and half of the lecturers are liberal. The other half are cessationists. They believe when the last apostle died, there's no more apostles. Jesus and the Holy Ghost are not doing nothing today. It was all just for those people back in Acts. Well, what a load of nonsense. What a load of nonsense that is. But that's what they believe. And you sit, if you sit with them in a bike, and they think, can it, is it, well, Jonah and the whale, you know, you know, we don't know about that, and and, you know, going across the Red Sea and all this. You know, these liberal t- they've taken everything. I said to them, okay, if you continue believing what you're believing, you'll be left with nothing inside. You'll have the cover on this side, the cover off this side, and nothing in the middle. And that's what will happen to you. You see, and this is the whole problem. And the Lord said to me, do you know, every one of us, we are challenged. If you're not willing to change, you will never reach for those things that are before you why? Because you're too set in your ways. Paul says he, I haven't arrived. Well, if Paul hasn't arrived, I certainly haven't arrived. My goodness me. I'm nowhere in the same standard as Paul. You know, I'm trying to find a scripture this morning. I know it's in Corinthians, but I, I won't read it because I can't find it. But it's, it's in Corinthians. It's one of those days where your Bible doesn't let you find what you want to find. It's quite ridiculous, really. But it's there. I know it's there because I read it yesterday. 
But for some reason, maybe the Lord doesn't want me to read it, so forget it. But th- this is the point. Paul, Paul said, uh, I, I, you know, if, if I wanted to boast, I could boast I was a Pharisee and I had all this education, I had all this, you know, degrees and, and all this and all this and all this. No, he says, I count it all done that I might win Christ. It's all in a person. <laughs> it's all in Jesus, isn't it? This is the point, isn't it? This is a high calling. This is a heavenly calling. Hebrews 2.10 says, 2, 10 says, For it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to what? Glory. We're supposed to have the glory. It's Passover, Pentecost, tabernacles. What does a tabernacle represent? The glory of God. When the wilderness tabernacle moved, the glory of God moved. When the glory of God moved, they had to move the whole kaboot. You know, the Kohathites and the whateverites and all their carts and horses had to take it all down and move it because the glory moved. Didn't it? The whole center of God's people is the glory. What happens when the glory departs? Ichabod. Or as Revelation 2 and 3 says, Jesus says to the church, I'll remove the candlestick. No, I don't want to be a person that doesn't have the presence of God. Do you? Do you need the, I need the presence of God. Do you? We need the presence of God. We need to experience it and feel it. You know, there was an old preacher uh, in the 1700s used to have a vicar in Maidley, Shropshire, wherever it is. And in those days, he used to have workhouses. You remember the workhouse? You've heard about them? And he, this vicar, you know, those vicarages were posh places, weren't they? With servants, you know, and everything. The vicar was somebody upstanding. And, and he, went, he used to have to visit the workhouse. And he went down to the workhouse, and there was a woman there who'd been put there because her husband had died and she was in debt. She had three children, and the workhouse was terrible. And, the, and, the, and he, he saw this woman, and she was, she was thanking God for the goodness of God in saving her and giving her new life. And she was praising God, she was thanking God, and he said there was an aura about this woman in the workhouse. And he went home and he said to the Lord, how is it a woman in such a state of affairs, in such a terrible place, can have such an aura and glory and thankfulness and praise about her? And the Lord took him to Romans 5. He said, the glory, the presence of God. Where Paul says, it's, it's, what does it say? (laughs) You know, this, this, you know, people say, well, where is the glory in the new covenant? Of course there's glory in the new covenant. But they don't seem to believe it, do they? This is the whole problem, isn't it? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. We are accessed by faith into this grace. We only stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we glory 
We glory in tribulation. That's faith. That is faith at work. It's coming out your mouth. Praise is coming out your mouth. Knowing that the tribulation work for patience, patience, experience, experience, hope, and hope make it not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to you. That's what it is. The Holy Ghost shed abroad in your hearts which is given to you. That's what we need. We need this experiential knowledge that we are loved of God. It's not all up here. It's something you experience. And this is what this woman experienced. That man was changed by that woman. He became a, woman, a man of God and famous for his preaching. He began to seek God. He said, I want what that woman's got. And he got it. And we can have it if you go for it. If we do what Paul is saying in the Philippines 3, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Now the enemy is going to try and stop you. He'd do every, he'll throw everything at you. He'd throw the kitchen sink at you if he could. He'd do everything to stop you, but you've got to be determined in your heart, I'm going to have this inheritance that's mine. And you know, I, I, I was saying to somebody yesterday, I've not wanted to travel anymore. And the Lord said to me, I tell you to do something, you do something whether you feel like it or not. You know, I just don't feel like driving. But I, you've got to do it by faith. Do you know when you do something by faith, it becomes very easy. Because grace goes with faith. And grace becomes your enablement to do something you think you cannot do. Well, you can't do it without God. And you need his help. We all need his help. And this is what I think the Lord was saying to me and saying to us today. We've got to go for this. To high calling. Hebrews 3.1 It says to be a partaker of what? Our heavenly calling. Do you know, are you part of the body of Christ? Do you believe that you're part of the body of Christ? Do you believe that you're part, one of the members, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 6 and 2 Corinthians 6? Well, if you're a member of Christ, in Christ, where does Christ sit? He sits in heavenly places. So if you're part of him, you should be sitting with him. Taking your place. As we heard last night, Mephishaboth. He was in Lodibar. And because David had made a covenant with Jonathan, his father, he brought him and restored all his lands. And Zeba, this conniving in Samuel, you can read about Zeba, the conniving uh, manager of his estates. <laughs> Samuel is an eye-opener. Read 1 and 2 Samuel. You'll find out what you're up against. You know, Paul talks about this in, in Philippines, in the beginning of Philippines. He says, yeah. <laughs> Don't think everybody who names the name of Christ is genuine. They ain't. There's all sorts around. 
He says, finally, my brethren, in verse in chapter three, rejoice in the Lord. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. And beware of the concision. Then he says, we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. Isn't it? We worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. It's not about me. It's about him. Isn't it? It's about him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about focusing on him. If you just read that in Philippians 3, do you know, the, probably the greatest epistle that Paul ever wrote is the Ephesian epistle. But you've got to start at the mountain bottom to climb the mountain. You know, that when, when David was crown king over all of Israel, he was in Hebron for seven years, and he was moved then to Israel eventually, to Jerusalem. And he, he found the ark, remember, and he found the ark and he brought it back. And he put it on Mount Zion. And he built a tent over it with no veil. And he had singers going up 24 hours a day, going up Mount Zion one way and coming down the other day. And there was continuous praise. Yes. Continuous worship. And the glory was there. And what did they call the glory? The Lord of hosts. Do you know if you've got the Lord of hosts with you, you're going to win every battle. And David won every battle. He never lost a battle. Think about it. That's what you got in view. Christ in you. The hope of glory. But do you know it? Do you realize it? Do you understand it? You know, an old preacher used to say, I used to read his writings, and he's dead now, I passed away years ago now. He used to say, read the epistles and find out every verse that tells you you're in Christ and dwell on it and feed on it until he gets in your mind that you are walking about with Christ in you the hope of glory. And this is what I wrote about the Ephesian epistle. He says, we have been blessed, Paul said, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. We can rise to these spiritual peaks. We can. We don't have to stay scratching down there. We can arise on the wings of prayer and praise. We can. We can rise to our spiritual peaks of our high calling in Christ Jesus. This is the marvel and the glory and the riches of God's way of redemption in Christ. The Christian salvation from the standpoint of heavenly places. Everything looks different when you sit with Christ. You believe you're an overcomer because you don't feel underneath it. Because you're sitting with him. You see, this is the point, isn't it? 
The disepistle, he says, is the sublimest and most majestic expression of our redemption. It holds the believer face to face with God and what God is and what God has done. God the eternal one, God the everlasting one, God who's over all, his indescribable glory. We must start with God and forget about ourselves. We've been taken in hand and we get a view of the glory of God and his majesty. And this old preacher said, this is holy ground. This is holy ground. This is holy ground. Take your shoes off. For we are in the presence of glory and God and tread very carefully. Yeah. We know that David understood that after what happened with the ark. Where the glory of God is, you tread very carefully because you're in the power and presence of God. And I begin to see, you know, as, as I begin to study this, I begin to realize that Paul is reminding us and he gives us a prayer in Ephesians 1 of what we should enjoy and seek to enjoy and to remind us of how we become this and how we can enjoy the priceless treasures and the blessings of grace and peace. He reminds us we're saints and faithful in Christ and Paul is emphasizing who we are and what we are and the great blessing that's open to us. What is this purpose so that we enjoy our lives and live lives to glorify God? And our chief need is to have our spiritual eyes of our understanding opened to see the privileges and the possibilities of this high calling in Christ. For the more we know and understand, the more we will experience the riches of his grace. Because with grace comes favour. You need favour on your life. Grace and favour. What is grace? We don't deserve it but we've received it through this wonderful provision that is in Christ Jesus. What is the chief problem with us as God's people? A lack of knowledge. We don't really understand who we are and what we are. But we can find out because it's in here. And the Holy Spirit will help you to understand what is the prayer in Ephesians what is this prayer you know this minister who helped me he was a minister and he went for six months and went to his front of his church and he prayed every day this prayer that the God of Jesus Christ the father of what glory may give to me he said the spirit of wisdom and revelation of knowledge in him, 
that the eyes of my understanding will be enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is his exceeding greatness of his power to me who believe according to the working of his mighty power. This is what I believe the Lord is saying to us as God's people. What Paul says in Philippians 3, that I might attain to a spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead even while I'm in this body. Do you know, I believe every need that you have will be met if we can get hold of this. The glory brings everything with it. You don't have to worry. Jesus says, seek first this kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We haven't got to seek these things. We have to seek him and his righteousness. John Knox said, that great Scottish reformer said, the greatest promise in the word of God is Matthew 5, is it 6 or 7 or 8? They that hunger and thirst after righteousness. So what is the key to the Christian life? It's righteousness. It's righteousness. What is the Sermon on the Mount all about? Living the righteous life. You know, we got a, there's a ministry on TV that keeps talking about the message of the cross. Well, you know, it's, the cross is important. But Jesus is not on the cross. And I was on the cross. But hopefully you and I are not on the cross anymore. We were crucified with Christ. And we were buried. But we've been raised. To newness of life. Come on, we're supposed to walk in newness of life. As Romans 6 says, we've been planted together in the likeness of his resurrection that we might be raised to newness of life. We've got to have this. We mustn't settle for anything less. We must have this newness of life. We've got to grasp what Jesus... And Jesus is seated together with there. So what is Ephesians saying to me? As old John Bunyan said, move from the cross, he said to the throne you can move from the cross to the throne yeah you've got a new identity you're not the same person you've been regenerated you've been raised you've got a new nature you've got a new destination you've got a new name God is your father we're the children of God no wonder we rejoice <laughs> you know we could have gone on for ages I was starting to get a little bit, you know, filled. <laughs> you know, when God lays the table, there's good stuff on the table. As we said about the tabernacle last night, there was no stale bread in the tabernacle. None. It was fresh bread. Do you know, God wants to wake you up every morning and give you fresh bread. <laughs> he does. <laughs> It tastes so nice. <laughs> Eat and drink. 
We can eat and drink at God's table. You know, you're just, you're just going to get lost in this. You just sort of start thinking about it. Three o'clock I was woken up this morning. I woke up at three. And I was thinking about these things. And I, you know, I just go and thinking about these things. And then I know if I really get in something good, the enemy will come and put me to sleep. He's very crafty. <laughs> I know when I get into something good because I, I thought it was three o'clock and, I, and it's now six o'clock. <laughs> you know, we got to keep. No wonder he says we got to press. We got to press toward the mark. We have. You can do this because you, you're a new creation. You know, don't get hooked up on what you want in life. Don't get thinking about, I must have this and I must have that, must have, no, 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 no. You're a child of God and God is your father and he knows exactly what you need and exactly what you want. You seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. There's a big secret here. You can't demand from God your terms. You have to come on his terms. No, no. God is not here to do what you want. You're a servant of God, a child of God, under his, in his lordship, and he will always do you good, but you have to come on his terms. You know, David had a commander of his army. You can read all about this man in Samuel. His name was Joab. Oh, Joab was a crafty man. He was a... He was a real warrior, this bloke. <laughs> but he was passing judgments on things, you know. And you can't do that. You can't pass judgments. You're not God. And if there's a problem with somebody in your life, you don't dis, you know, take him home and, and, and put him in a cage and rattle it all the time and say, this is wrong with him, Lord. This is wrong. You're, not, you're not there as judge of anybody. <laughs> You can't put anybody right. You're only one. God is the judge. Isn't it? You know, I made this decision wrong and this man really irritates me and uh, I'd like to do something with, you know, and the Lord said, judgment is mine. I vindicate people that abuse you. Leave the vindication to me. Isn't that right? That, that takes faith. Because, you're, you know, Paul had a lot of opposition. I don't think we understand half the opposition he went through. Alexander the coppersmith was one he's mentioned in Acts. Did me a lot of harm, he said. And when he stood in prison and he went for trial, he said, nobody stood with me. All the brothers and sisters left me. Mm. all the nice lovely brothers and sisters left him mm. yeah when Saul was chasing David he didn't have many people with him he only had 600 men and they were all discontented and they were all in debt <laughs> and all the lawyers were chasing them in the land <laughs> but he, he was he was anointed he went through some stuff. 
I've been through some stuff, have you? (laughs) We all go through stuff. But you know, if we keep a right attitude and leave the judgment to God, and he'll vindicate us, and he vindicated David, didn't he? He'll vindicate you. (laughs) Look, don't point the finger at your brother, because you're not perfect. You're not so wonderful as you think you are. So you, haven't, you can't point your finger at anybody, really. You've just got to keep pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. And that's the one thing Paul says you've got to do. Leave all the other matters to God. Isn't it? You think you should have this and have that and that. No, just take it to God and he'll sort it out. Isn't it? You just have to walk by faith. You know, Abraham was saying to God all the time for 25 years, well, where is this Isaac? You promised me a son. Well, where is he? Where is this Isaac? Why hasn't he come? No, he comes on God's time. God is always on time. Always. He knows how to settle whatever you're going through. And don't, don't, hang, don't get angry about it, upset about it. Don't get impatient about it and don't get down about it because the enemy will use it to pull you down. Oh, he will. You know, we, we t- talk a lot, lot about David encouraging himself and the Lord. Well, he had to. <laughs> when you've got a man chasing him with 12,000 men everywhere, you, you'd want some help, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. And the church, unfortunately, has got a lot of souls in it. It's what R.T. Kendall calls yesterday's man. They've had it, but they've lost it. That's why I say to direct the glory of God. If you want the glory, as that preacher said, you better be careful and take your shoes off. Because it's holy ground. Moses had waited 40 years for the promise to come that he would deliver his people. It was instilled into him by his mother, Jochebed. She became his nursemaid in Pharaoh's palace. And he said he never thought that he was an Egyptian. Do you know, that's what the enemy tries to tell you and me that we're just Egyptians? No, we're not. We're Hebrews. I'm talking about spiritually now. My son went to university and did an RE degree, and they told him all this liberal nonsense, cessation nonsense, and fideism and sandemanism, all the boatman nonsense. Who he said to me, I don't believe in all this anymore, he said. And he went through some stuff in life. He went through some difficult times. (laughs) And he had to cry out to God. And when he cried out to God, all the liberalism went. (laughs) It got got swirled out of him. (laughs) He realized it was a load of bunkum. (laughs) Yeah, you you go through some trials and you cry out to God and God says, he puts his finger on it. You say, you say, I repent. 
It's not what I want, it's what you want, Lord. He's a lot better than he was. He still thinks he's better than me. I don't know, maybe he is, I don't know. (laughs) He thinks he's in a category above me somewhere. Well, they say he can preach better than me. I don't know. (laughs) I never had to preach. (laughs) You've got a sense of humour that's better than mine. (laughs) But there you are. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Just keep humble. If people throw stones at you, David said, when, when Shimei was stoning him when he was running from Absalom, he said to Joab, oh, maybe I deserve all this. Well, probably he did, because he did something wrong, as you know. And he was, he was, he was reaping what he'd sown, wasn't he? He was reaping what he'd sown. But God had mercy on him, didn't he? And God recovered him and brought him back. But he had a lot of trouble with it. No, as I said last night, it's better for you to get the truth when you get it, receive it immediately. Because the longer you live it, leave it, the more costly and difficult it becomes to accept that truth and obey it. I prove that. You know, it's very difficult. You know, you can sort of start to do well in life and get what you need in life. And you think, oh, no. I can manage on my own now without God. Of course you can't. It's ridiculous. The whole thing is nonsense. And then you fall down some big hole and God says to you, oh, what are you doing down there then? (laughs) And then we come to our senses. We're like the prodigal. We come to our senses. We thought we were going to do very well and all we're eating is hog food. Well, we can't live on hog food, (laughs) swine food. (laughs) No, the Lord wants you to be part of this heavenly calling. So the Lord has said to me, I'm going to wake up in the morning and despite all my miseries, I'm going to thank God. Look, Irene and I haven't got it all together like some of you. (laughs) Some of you are... uh, I've got it all together, but we haven't, unfortunately. (laughs) We look at some of you and we think, well, I wish, Lord, I could be like them. And the Lord says to me, hang on a minute, don't look at them, you look at me. And we wake up in the morning, we say, thank you, Lord. And I go to the Word, and I read the Word, and I start praising him, and the Lord said, thank me, praise me, worship me, and then I might show up. Yeah. (laughs) You can't have God on your conditions, you come on his conditions. Definitely. Oh yeah. No question about it. I don't I've learned, as one great preacher said, if you really believe the gospel, it shuts your mouth. Nothing. Say nothing. And he's right. I'm learning to speak what God says because I found that the word of God is quick and powerful. It can move that mountain in your life. 
but you've got to believe it. Haven't you? You've got to believe in this word. And don't, be, don't just take the word of God, wait on God until God gives you a word. You see, Paul, in his ministry journeys, he never went anywhere. He's like the Macedonian call, and he, and he goes to Macedonia, he gets thrown in prison and beaten, you know. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> but they were singing praises, and the praises worked. And praise will work in your life. It will work. Praise is powerful. It's so powerful. I wrote this down about praise. Praise is an accurate measure of how strong your faith is. If you're really praising God all the time, your faith is strong and getting stronger. Keep praising God, as Philippians says. In everything give thanks. It says, Abraham waxed strong in faith. Why? And he gave glory to God. For out of the babes of suckling, Psalm 8 says, you have ordained strength because of thine enemies that thou mightest still the enemy. Henry used to say, praise is our secret weapon. So we thank God, we praise God, and then we worship God. There's something about worship where it's like taking your shoes off. Moses stood before that bush and God said, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. Do you know where God's people miss it? Is the approach. They don't give God their undivided attention. You've got to give God your undivided attention. Would you think, and then God said to Moses, you go down to Egypt, and Moses said, I can't talk no more. Well, if I've been with sheep and goats for 40 years, I don't think I could talk no more either. <laughs> yeah. God has got a way of getting you to run out of every feasible thing that you think you can do so that he can do it. <laughs> we can't get the glory then, can we? God gets the glory. In fact, it's all about the glory, the gospel. is. It's all about the fullness. It's all about the ingathering. It's all about for you to have your house blessed and to have favour over your house. God doesn't want you scraping around like a church mouse. He wants you rejoicing in the goodness of God. He does. He wants you to be blessed in everything that you do. Why? Because he wants you to have this favour. So think about this. Think about that you have been called to serve God in his house. And this is what Paul says in Hebrews 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising of the shame, is sit, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God on high. And he says, you haven't come to the mount 
with all this blackness and burning and tempest and some trumpets and all this he said. But he said, you have come to what? Mount Zion. This is where you've come. This is where we should be coming this morning. We're here. But if we can worship God in the spirit, we're coming to Mount Zion. At the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's why I don't believe that in the rebuilding of the temple. Because Jesus said, you see this temple and I destroy it and in three days I rebuild it. Well, this is the building that we're in, we're part of. I think I could be wrong, I don't know, but I don't think I'm wrong. To an innumerable company of angels, the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, which is written in heaven, to God, the judge of all the spirit, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. You see, if you can sit there, Jesus is going to minister to you as your great high priest. Thank God for everybody here. Everyone, we can speak, we can do our bit. But you've got access can we get this? You have got access to Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. And you can go in there and you could be ministered to by your great high priest Jesus after the order of Melchizedek. Can we get this? I tell you what, when Jesus speaks a word to you, you don't forget it. It's inside you. It's written on your heart. This is not something you get out of books. This is what uh, Julia said last night. It's not up here. It's written in here. And you walk around with it. What did Paul say? Your written epistles read and known of all men. We should be written epistles. What did they say about Wigglesworth? He was a written epistle that went round with the word of God and power. He said, if only the church could get hold of what Wigglesworth understood, we'd have a dynamic church. I wish I could. God is trying to get through to me. He's trying to get through to all of us. You are a written epistle. Your food for the new man is this. Fresh bread every day. What is the holy place? Fresh bread, the lamp, and the incense. You know, Paul wrote the whole Roman epistle and at the end of this tremendous epistle, Romans given this justification, sanctification, glorification, the fullness of Christ, fulfillment of every shadow and type in the Old Testament. And then he says in Romans 12, what does he say? Present your body a living sacrifice yeah do you know I've had trouble with myself I've told you before I don't particularly like myself but thank God me, myself and I got crucified and I died it and I got buried and I'm God <laughs> I'm a new person hallelujah do you know sometimes he wants to resurrect himself that old man but he's died. Reckon, Paul says in Romans 6, yourselves to be dead unto sin. This is the battle of faith. This is where faith comes in. 
This is where you believe what this says above what your mind says. You know, if I remember I did a, a Bible study in Walton years ago, and we had three chairs out the front. And we had Oral, and Oral's a big chap, you know, isn't he? If anybody know Oral, he's a big chap. I don't know how what he weighs. And we had Bridget, who was a little person. <laughs> and we had somebody else. I can't remember who the other person was. And Oral was the flesh. He was this body, you see. Oral was the flesh. Bridget was the spirit. And the other person was the soul. And the problem you've got is, you see, your spirit is fine. Your, your spirit, because you've been born again, it responds to everything. You know, if the spirit starts, you, your spirit, but yours wonderful, you know, and all this. And you go out and you go past our local Baker Jenkins, you see all these cream cakes and donuts and, and Manchester tarts. And they have these beautiful corned beef, <laughs> corned beef um, pasties, you know, they smell with puff pastry, you know. And my doctor said to me, you can't eat any of them. You're not to eat any of them. <laughs> and, and our flesh says, give me some of this, you know. <laughs> Feed me. <laughs> but what you've got to do is we said to Oral, we're going to starve you, Oral. <laughs> and we're going to feed you, Bridget. So you'll both be the same size. <laughs> you're going to go down and you're going to come up. <laughs> but this is it. You know, a lot of people don't grasp that they have a soul with a mind, will and emotions and they live in this body. You know, it's a sad thing, but we do. We live in this body. And we, but we have a spirit that's been reborn. So what we've got to do is feed our spirit so it gets big and strong. So when the body says, I'll have some of this, the, the spirit man says, get down, boy. <laughs> yeah, get down, boy. Yeah. Well, Paul's language in the authorized, I keep my body under, lest having preached to others, I myself can become what? A castaway. I'll be on some desert island somewhere <laughs> with nothing. <laughs> no, we've got a grasp that we, are, we have got this problem. But thank God, I've got a good wife. She knows how to, you know. When I start to, she, she comes in and says, the Lord has given me... Um, a spiritual policeman. <laughs> and then I have a daughter that's half as big as her and she comes along and backs it up. <laughs> uh, the Lord has given her what I call mallet ministries. <laughs> yeah, well, thank God... Whatever way God does it, he's got a way of fixing us. I'm still here, thank God. <laughs> I think I would have gone years ago. <laughs> We've been left to myself. <laughs> and sometimes we think all sorts of things, don't we, we husbands? 
we can think all sorts of things. Why did you give me this wife, Lord? <laughs> and then the word of God comes and says, Husbands, love your wives. You say, yes, Lord. In faith, I'm going to say it. But it works. It works. Suddenly, she looks absolutely wonderful. It's, it's words of faith. It changes. It changes the atmosphere. It does. It's, it's remarkable. It works. Do you know the word does work? Yeah. God will help us, though, won't he, in this journey of faith. You know, we don't understand everything, do we? Let's, let's, let's be fair. We just don't get it all, do we? We don't make out, why was I born in this family? <laughs> why did I have a mother like I had? You can't choose none of that, can you? You're born in it. But thank God we're born again in a better family. <laughs> and we've got a heavenly father. <laughs> but don't let us make sure <laughs> we fellowship with him every day and don't block him out. Oh, it's easy, mine. We get up in the morning and think, we've got to go to town, we've got to do this, and the car needs this, and we've got to do that. No, no. We've got to do what Paul says, the one thing. It's the one thing we've got to concentrate on. Because if we can get that right, everything else will fall into place. Won't it? It will. You can't plan your future. If you Take a young man like um, Tom now. He's got aspirations. I'm sure he's young. I, I did. I had all these aspirations. And I did what I wanted to do when I was young. And when I got there... I thought, this isn't so good as I thought it would be. Yeah, and God began to deal with me. And I went through a very painful process. Very painful. I thought I was going to die. I said to the Lord, and I've told you before, I feel like Job. I feel everything's gone wrong. I've lost everything. And the Lord said, you haven't lost everything. You've still got your children. You've still got your wife. You, you've still got money. You've still got your house. You, I said, why do I feel like this? See, God was dealing with you. God can make you feel very uncomfortable when you're not doing it right. The one thing is no longer the main thing in your life. You've got your mind on something else. And this is the danger. This is why righteousness is so important. That's why Jesus says in the, you know, got the three uh, characteristics of Christ. You're poor in spirit, you mourn in spirit, you're meek in spirit. Then he says, that gives you the ability to hunger after righteousness and you'll be filled. And you get filled and you get mercy, peace, and uh, what's the other Mercy, peace, and purity. You need mercy, peace, and purity. And then Jesus says, this new man, that's a picture of the new man. Righteousness is Christ. He's the head. 
This is the body. But you know, like Paul says in Philippians 3, this new man, this beatific vision, this Christ man, he stands in persecution. Jesus says, blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Of course, it has to be for righteousness' sake. You haven't got to be be a little irritant, you know, going around stirring up trouble. No, you've got to be living. But he says, and this is it, and then he tells you how we can live this righteous life. As I said to you last night, there's been... We must understand what Jesus did in his life and ministry. He was a perfect son of man and fulfilled every legal requirement that God demanded from a holy law. And when he went through Gethsemane, he could go through it because he was what he was. If he had failed in any way, he would have never got through Gethsemane. I'll probably speak on it another time. Jesus has not only taken, has lived a life so that you can live this life of faith. What is it, Romans 8, 4, that the righteousness of the law, Romans 8, 4, that, you, that might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the Spirit, not after the flesh, but after the spirit. See? You know, antinomianism is a, is a prevalent heresy in the, in the church. As I said to you before, we, we're to walk on a highway of faith. And each side, there's these big ditches. One is anti- license and the other one is legalism. And the enemy is trying to pull you into one or the other. But if you keep looking at Jesus... You can walk by faith and please God. I want to walk by faith. I'm asking the Lord to help me every morning now. I say, Lord, you are my comforter. You are my helper. You are my standby. You sent the Holy Spirit to help me. Fill me. Fill me. Give me an insight. Give me revelation so I can grasp and understand who I am. And what I am, as I said to you last night, is not so much in the glory way about having a ministry. You know, people have come to Ireland, well, you haven't got a ministry. Well, I, I, I'm just a retired pensioner. I, I just serve God in my quiet place at home. I just keep sharing with you what God says to me. And I know that everyone that we, when Henry came, he said, the priest and the believer, you're called as a king and a priest. You are to serve in God's house and you can be in that heavenly calling you can, you can press towards this mark you can do it we can and you can enjoy a wonderful life the Ephesian epistle your eyes if your understanding will be open you'll begin to understand and know and you'll glory in it and you'll feel it and you'll enjoy it and you say thank you Jesus well you know at my age I I get hit by all sorts of pains and all sorts of things in my body. But I've learned to be thankful. To praise God. And I start to worship God. And suddenly something happens. It's this verse. 
Go home. Don't forget this verse in Hebrews, Philippians 3, verse 11, that if possible, it is possible, <laughs> you can have this. It's in the word of God. That, that to a spiritual or moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead. It's wonderful. I think that is wonderful. It is from the dead. Even while I'm in this body. This, I used to think this was a resurrection. No, it's now. It's right now. You can have this. I'm believing for it. I won't be able to, well, I mean, I wasn't very well the other night and I thought, I can't go to North Wales. And then I realized it was the devil. He can talk to you, you know, he can be very convincing. I said, devil, you're a liar. I can do this. I can do this. I can. See what Paul says in Romans 6, what shall we say then? What shall we say? We as you and me. We're the we. What shall we say? Shall we, God forbid, how shall they that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us are baptized into Christ, we're baptized into death, therefore we've been buried with him, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we also walk in newness of life. Well, I want to walk in newness of life. Do you believe in it? You can have it. Go for it. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? This gospel is wonderful. And we've only just started. There's much more. There's much more. There's more that God wants to bless you so big that you can bless other people. You'll have such an overflow in your life that you'll see somebody in need and you'll just bless them. You'll just bless them. you say, where is somebody that I can bless? Because when you bless, you get blessed. Oh, it's reciprocal. It is. You sow and you'll reap. You will. Keep sowing. Don't withhold. One preacher said that some miserly people hold the pound so tight that the queen cries on the coin. <laughs> yeah. What does 2 Corinthians 9 say? Any of you preachers know what 2 Corinthians 9 says? <laughs> God wants you to enjoy. This is what 2 Corinthians 9 says. I, I, I'll sit down and be quiet now. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 9. Every man according his purpose in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly of a necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. He make favour then come into your life. Always having all sufficiency in all things may abound in every good work. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness, that's a big statement, remains 
forever. God loves people who give. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food. And multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now that's an awful lot packed in one verse. We can't describe that. We'll be here all morning. Anyway, you can read it and ask the Holy Spirit. That is it. Being enriched in everything, in all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Praise the Lord. Isn't Jesus wonderful? We give you thanks this morning, Lord, for your word, Lord. We rejoice over your word, as Lord, as one that findeth great spoil. Lord, this word is rich, is powerful, is richer, and it can save us and deliver us. We thank you, Lord, as we seek you in the days ahead. We will take our place. We will be at the king's table. We'll be in those heavenly places. And we say, Lord, feed us. Feed me, Lord. Feed me on the riches of the inheritance. You've got riches, saints. Such powerful riches that take you from here right into eternity. Lord, we thank you for this abundant grace that flows from the throne. This river of grace. This river of power. This river of healing. Lord, we pray for every person in this place that has a need. We believe now in the name of Jesus as they reach out to you, Lord, that that river will flow into their life for out of their innermost being will start to flow rivers. As they speak the word of God, the river starts to come. Speak, Lord. Tomorrow, Lord, we'll speak about Samuel. We'll speak about how God speaks to us. Lord, we pray as we go in this day that you'll bless each one. Increase them more and more. Give us a hunger where we hunger after you, Lord. And as we hunger and thirst after righteousness, we shall be filled. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.